Good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this program. We're coming to you from the studios at the Coming Home Network International. And my guest today is a well-known author and speaker. And those of you that are EWTN aficionados can certainly remember Jeff Cavins from Life on the Rock and so many other things that he's done and uh, the timeline that he does with the scriptures. I think I feel a bit sheepish inviting Jeff to join me on a uh, on this biblical program because he knows the Bible far better than I ever will. And uh, But Jeff, welcome to Deep in Scripture, my friend. Oh, it's good to be with you. I look forward to the to the show and the interesting format that you have in mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, and I'm excited about having you in the program, Jeff, not only because of our friendship and, and uh, for a long time, but because I know you love Scripture as much as I do, and it's such a part of your life that the Amen. idea of having Scriptures that are not— they're not just sitting in that book over there on the coffee table or on page whatever of the Liturgy of the Hours, but that they're in our heart and mind, always available to not only fight the battles, but to encourage us. Right. And I know, Jeff, for example, before we get into any of the scriptures, you've written a lot on suffering and other things. And, and I'm just saying, you know, a lot, I'm guessing that it's scripture that's gotten you through a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I think I think you. No matter what the topic is, whether it's suffering or whether it's uh, purpose in life, mission, marriage, raising children, uh, dealing with temptation, whatever it is, uh, that's that's always the foundation. And going back and and um, and uh, being fed and being uh, corrected and led by the Word of God, it's it's just always been there. Yeah, I know you. You uh, are well known and, and uh, produce the timeline. Bible timeline, and in fact, you just told me some really exciting things that you're going to be doing the Bible timeline at some neat places coming up. I'm not sure it's ready for yeah. public. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're going to be doing. Um, uh, I'm on the board of uh, the uh, the Catholic version, at least, of the the Bible Museum in Washington, which wow. is quite a quite a place. You might know the Greens from Hobby Lobby. They they put the money up for that and built that amazing place. Well, this, this fall, I'm going to be there doing a Bible timeline at the Bible Museum in Washington and uh, celebrating the 15th year of it being published in this particular form. And then I'm also going to be out at the Crystal Cathedral out in Orange County. We're going to do the Bible timeline. So it's it's coast to coast with Scripture. It's going to be fun. It's so, so exciting. When I, I grew up a Lutheran, and um, I remember taking part in a, a Bible study program that was popular amongst Lutherans in the— 60s. It was called the Bethel Bible series. I don't know if you remember that. Sure. Yeah. My mother was one of the first teachers of that, and then I was taught it. But I remember from the time I was a young boy, the the concept of blessed to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. That's the concept. Blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Right. And when you, when you, when that becomes a part of who you are, that scripture, that scriptural idea, helps you understand. I'm called to be. I'm been blessed. So right. that I can be a blessing to others, right? Well, I am. I am very blessed, Marcus. Not only with uh, what God has done in our lives, my friends like you, but in my marriage, my wife and I literally start off every day with Scripture. We sit. We sit in the kitchen. 
we open up the, the drapes there. We're looking outside and we have a cup of tea and, and we literally break open the word of God every single morning. And we spent about an hour together doing Lexio Divina. And I was just saying to her the other day, I said, you know, I outside of this, I don't know what I would do. This really sets the tone for, for my day to be deep in his word, you know. And that's the point of this program is to really encourage any of you listening, if, if Scripture— hasn't become a regular part of your daily readings, you really need to make it that. If if you open up the opening covers of any Catholic Bible, especially older Catholic Bibles, you'll see that that the Holy Fathers in the old days used to give you know uh, dispensations, um, uh, mm-hmm. indulgences for the reading of Scripture. And the point of the Church saying that is because this is important. Mm-hmm. Any Catholics mm-hmm. that think you shouldn't be reading the Bible, no, that's a myth. It's a myth. You should be reading Scripture. And what we emphasize in this particular Deep in Scripture episodes on memorable verses is we we want we're pointing out some that are verses that are important to us that we think you ought to know. And the format, which I just dropped on Jeff, and and he's ready to <laughs> to as Gary Mashuda says, jump into this memorable verse throwdown is I come to this program with a, a scripture that I have considered very important in my life, and Jeff doesn't know what it is that I've brought to the table here. I'm going to begin by sharing that verse, talking about why it's important, and then hopefully Jeff and I will have some conversation on that verse. And then I'll ask Jeff, okay, Jeff, what's your verse? And he'll share it, he'll talk about it, we'll discuss it. And then we'll close the program to take the two verses that were serendipitously brought together to see if indeed they connect together mm-hmm. in our walk. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And I you know I think I'm gonna, probably going to walk away from the show thinking you put them together and think, well, Lord, you're kind of saying something new to me now. That's And that's the beautiful thing about it. Well, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. All right, Jeff, here's my, here's my verse. And I have to say this, for example, this verse that I've chosen, I'll be up right up front and say that I – and maybe it's my old brain cells uh, in my old, my late 60s now that I don't remember it word for word. But the concept and what this verse has taught me has been essential to an aspect of my life for over 45 years. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I first heard this verse, when it was in the summer between my junior and senior year in college, it was a scriptural confirmation of what God, by grace, had allowed me to already discover. And when I read this verse and the verses around it, it almost drove me to my knees out of gratitude. And, and let me read this. Um, it's not a verse of apologetics. It's not a verse of comfort. But it's, I think, a very important verse. It comes from Romans chapter 1, verse 20 in which Paul says, Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. I can, when I was, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why this is important, Jeff. And I'm, I know you're anxious to throw a word in there, but... No, I just, I'm, I, I love it. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. When, when I, I grew, was brought up Lutheran, I was a good kid. My Lutheran faith didn't mean a lot to me, I have to admit. Um, 
But in high school, I had a biology class that changed my life. And when I came out of that biology class, I was I knew that my life would be involved with science. I love math and physics and chemistry, and biology. And I thrived on it. I went when I went away to college, I had two schools I chose, either MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Boston, or Case Institute of Technology in Cleveland. I chose Case because it was right around the corner from home. My whole life was about science. I believed by the time I was a junior in college that I could explain everything without God. Um, for me, looking at the world around me, I was had gotten convinced in evolution and and uh, survival of the fittest and, and all of that. But then the Lord zapped me. When I was preparing for medical school, I took a class in genetics, in a summer course in genetics, was studying the eye and the working of sight, not just human sight, but, but how sight works in all creatures. I mean, it isn't just you have an eyeball. You have all that's in the eyeball, and you have the nerves and and, and then how the images, how that eye takes images and then flips them upside down and transfers them into a brain so that even now as I'm looking at you, Jeff, immediately we see. And I remember being so overwhelmed by the reality of this miracle that it was, it was as if the proverbial two-by-four just took me off my feet and I realized this did not happen by chance. Right. This could this could not. There's no way. What came first, the brain or the eye or the cord or? It's no way. No intelligent, open-minded person could believe I, that sight happens by accident. And so it, that was the spark, in which God used to bring me back to reality. And all of a sudden, I began looking around at the world in a different, different, different way. It was as if my eyes were opened, as St. Paul said. And then a couple months later, I had a true awakening to Jesus Christ, surrendered my life to Christ, became committed to reading Scripture every day. A friend of mine said, pick up the book of Romans, because I had already read John through and through, and that had really changed my life. Go to Romans because he wanted me to see the Roman road, you know, <laughs> the, the path of salvation. So I began reading Roman, and when I read this section, it was as if, yes, Lord, this is what you were trying to tell me. Because the section says, let me read a little bit more, and then I'll, I'll let you jump in, Jeff. Sure. Paul writes, beginning with verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became Fools. I could have chose that as my memory verse because that really described me before the grace of God opened my eyes to the beauty yeah. of our Creator. Wow, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. I've, I've kept looking back at my some of my library here because I have I have a whole section, Marcus, on books 
that talk about the incredible creation of the human being in the universe and the unbelievable odds that this could all be an accident. It, it takes more faith to believe that all of this is an accident rather than a mastermind behind it all. And I, I'm the same with you. I can take that one verse that you gave. And I, and I re, in fact, I remember a day when we were in North Dakota years and years ago, it was about midnight and I went out into a wheat field and I laid down and I looked up at the skies and tears just started running from my eyes. And I just said, Lord, like King David, I, I am, I am blown away, but the thing I'm blown away after looking at the whole universe is that you are mindful of me, you know, <laughs> I can't yeah. believe this, you know, so I, I'm with you in it. You know, um, it was uh, uh, Heschel, uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel, who Pope John Paul II quoted uh, in Faith and Reason. And he said that one of the things that we've lost today is the sense of awe the sense of awe. And I remember one time when my, my, I had my two youngest daughters in the car and sun was going down and we were heading west and there was this absolutely spectacular sunset. And I pulled over on the side of the road and I said, girls, look, look, look. And they looked and they said, at what? And I said, look at that sunset. And they kind of like, yeah, whatever. And, and I said, do you realize that if nobody had ever seen that sunset before and I put on an exhibit in Washington and people would have to pay to come and see what you're looking at right now, do you know I would sell out every night for a year for people just to come and see what we're seeing right now? And yet we've lost the sense of awe and we become so iPhone minded that we don't even notice this creation that you're talking about. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a, a psalm that nearly every pope, bishop, priest, religious prays every single morning. And it's Psalm 95. They can do alternatives, but that's what's called the invitatory psalm. It's in the mm -hmm. Liturgy of the Hours. And we're familiar with it. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let's make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let's come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let's make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. It's it's about our creator, for he, the God is a great king, God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his. The sea is his, for he made it for his hands. Form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. He's our maker. And then it goes on, oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. Harden not your heart, says as Meribah on the day at Massa, when your fathers tested me and put me to proof. Here's it. Though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who err in heart, and they do not regard my ways. Jeff, he's not, the, the psalmist is not just talking about the miracles of Egypt. He's talking mm -hmm. about, do we see around us the reality of his hand right. so that we can understand his ways. And right. if we're blind to that, we miss it all. And that's what you were talking well, about. Yeah, exactly. And the church, is, the church teaches exactly what you're talking about. You know, in the catechism, it gives three primary ways that we come to know something of God. Number one is creation. We come to know about God through creation. We look around, we see the laws of science, physics, and so forth. We see sunrise, sunset, the laws of gravity. And 
and it, it even says in the catechism that the that the physical laws here on earth are reminders of God's faithfulness. And so if you take a pencil and you drop it, what do you have? You have the law of gravity. You, you might as well at that point say, praise God, he's faithful. He's faithful. You know, so that the, the, the catechism says, number one, creation. Number two, the human person. And number three, reason. Uh, but then there is a, a, a little bit of a block and we need something beyond that, which is divine revelation. But the very first thing the church says, if you want to know something about God, open your eyes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot there, you know. <laughs> yeah, this scripture again, ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his internal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. You know, I remember Jeff, after I've been a Catholic a number of years, a good friend of mine said, you ought to pick up this book uh, by a guy by the name of St. Bonaventure. It's called Journey of the Mind to God. It's a classic. And in that book, basically, Bonaventure said the way to begin your journey to God, his Bonaventure's way, was your first look at the vestiges of God and his creation. That's where mm -hmm. you begin. And when you see his evidence, his fingerprints, then you give him grat gratitude and thanks. And that's the beginning. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying, right. if you don't begin there, you aren't going to go the rest of the way. Yeah. Well, C.S. Lewis also says, you know, that uh, everything that you have desired, everything that has caught your attention, the spark that, that grabbed your heart is but a hint of something beyond that, which is, is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's God. And so in a sense, the universe and all of its beauty and science is a sacramental that points to a, a truth beyond it, which is a person, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think, for example, maybe in conclusion, then I'll turn to it, is the reason this verse is so important to me for so many reasons is by constantly thinking about it when you're out in the world, when you even you look at your children, when you look at the stuff you have, and you see God behind it, it also reminds us that we were created in his image, which means that we are to imitate him as stewards of this world. And so we are when we're misusing our environment, when we're misusing what he's given to us, we are ignoring the fact that he gave it to us as a gift to enjoy and right. to share. It is so critical. Right. critical. Well, you see right after the fall, you know, with Adam and Eve, the, all the relationships changed at that point. You have the relationship with God. We hid from him. Relationship between husband and wife. Um, we don't trust, you know, and uh, and then the relationship with creation, we exploit and we use it for ourselves. And at that point, it, it, it ceases from being... Um, uh, a loud message to the world and rather something that we can exploit and take advantage of ourselves. So every single relationship has been distorted there. And one of the challenges that we have is to slow down and to uh, regain that appreciation for uh, the beauty uh, that's in the world. I mean, if you had never seen Marcus, a human being before, if you'd never seen a human being before, uh, and suddenly you saw a human being, the whole world would want to come and find out what is this this is absolutely amazing and i think i think that's one of the reasons that we so like to people watch you know 
because we're created in the image and likeness of God and people go to the state fair, they go to the mall, they love to people watch. And I think we're fascinated with people because we're created by one who is extremely fascinated with people because we're, as you said, created in the image and likeness of God. And just the human eye itself or the brain is is really the greatest creation on, on earth. It's better than any Cray computer or anything else. Yeah, yeah. It, I mentioned this, a lot of this in my book, Life from Our Lamb, but one thing I point out, just for, and just one last thing, and then I'll, I want to hear your verse, is, you know, I don't know if you have in your house, Jeff, uh, a book on birds. You know, we do. Know? It's sitting right, it's sitting on the table downstairs where we have tea in the morning. Okay, one of my favorite things. And you open that book, and one of my favorite bo- books is called... Uh, uh, the wood thrush, uh, which we have around our a beautiful call. But the point is, you can look at a bluebird or you can look, and they all look the same, all bluebirds, identify them. You know, or you look for a, mm-hmm. a gold finch. You know what they look like. Right. But what's amazing is that they have the same call. Yeah. Every, yeah. every wood thrush, which has actually four unique calls that he does in repetition, it's the same for every wood thrush in the world. Well, did they go to a, a class to learn how to make that call? And, the, you know, natural selection and survival of the fittest doesn't describe why this bird has this call and this bird doesn't have it. That's a gift of God. And so you see that as a vestige of God's smile, as a gift to us to enjoy. And do we right. see it? All right, right, Jeff, what verse did you bring to it. us today? Well, you know, the verse, it... it uh it fits in so well, really, with what you what you're what you're talking about, and I don't think you could say that necessarily about all the verses. But right. you know, I, over the years, I've had a number of uh, what I would call life verses. You know, I've had Galatians two twenty before, Colossians one twenty four about suffering. Yeah, Proverbs uh, five and six is my life verse. So yeah, right. Is that is that your life? That's verse? my yeah. life verse. Yeah. And I would encourage everybody to have a life verse, something that you really memorize and. Uh, and don't don't fall into the trap of feeling like, well, the older I get, I can't do that. Uh, we can always do that. Hide the word of God in our hearts and it will pay tremendous dividends in comfort and direction in our lives. In the case of my verse here, uh, this has been something that the Lord has put on my heart for the last couple of years as a personal challenge, but also as the heart of my challenge to my students and the people that I'm, I'm teaching. Uh, it really centers around this issue of how does the church grow? How does the church multiply? Uh, we've got a problem today with people who are exiting the church for a number of, of reasons. And, and at the same time, we have to ask ourselves, do we really have a plan to grow this family uh, of God? And, and let me just let me just read your verse and go right into mine to see what it sounds like for a second. Can I do that? <laughs> oh, of course. Um, okay. So so here's what here's what you said. You said for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Behold, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. That's my verse. <laughs> awesome. Isn't that, isn't that something? That really uh, is interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like you look around you. There's, there's no excuse here. Now go make disciples, you know? So that's the verse, the, the verses that I chose is actually is two of them that are hard to se separate. It's Matthew 28 verses 19 yeah. and 20. And I'll, and I'll tell you why I, why I chose that. Um, the first issue is discipleship is really becoming a disciple of the Lord. And uh, you and I are at the place where we can look around and, and, and we have a great appreciation for God's creation and his beauty. And we get it. I mean, you see that. Uh, and, and creation has something to show us about God, the human person and reason, all three as the church teaches. But when it comes to really going deep, uh, you, you really have to depend upon divine revelation. And that's exactly what the Lord and the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have all done is they have revealed themselves fully, completely. And uh, they have gone beyond creation. They've gone beyond uh, the human person and the desires to the heart and beyond reason. And they showed us things that we couldn't get, you know, on our own. And, uh, and, and to continue in that vein, is to become a disciple of the Lord. And uh, I have noticed in my own life and in the lives of others too, you know, I have a lot of students as you do, and it, it, that oftentimes what we, what we do is we become fascinated with the teachings of the church. We become fascinated with theology and doctrine and so forth. And as you know, all these things are critically important. These are, th these are really treasured treasured things. But in the end, we don't have a personal relationship with theology. We have, we have a personal relationship with, with Jesus Christ who invites us to become disciples, which means that we are chosen by him to be like him, to imitate him, and to go out into the, all the world and to to make disciples ourselves and to teach and teach people to observe all that he's commanded and to do it. And to me, that is, that is really what is lacking so often is that we want people to believe what we believe, but it goes beyond that into a relationship where we follow Jesus from morning till night and we do his will, we become the body of Christ. And so the, the whole, issue of modern day Catholicism is not just about teaching the right thing and everyone believing the right thing, but it's about bringing people into a discipleship relationship with the Lord, where from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, I'm in a, I'm in a passionate relationship with the living God and I'm following him on a, on a moment by moment basis. My wife and I have a, a phrase that we've been thinking about, a lot about, and that is that the shape of your day reflects the love of your heart. Hmm. And, you know, before I met Emily, my day had a different shape. And when I got engaged, my the shape of my day changed. And when we got married, as you know, the shape of your day really changes. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and when I, when I first heard about Jesus, um, I was in awe prior to that of God and his creation. And I was reading all kinds of stuff, you know? And when I, when, when I really met him, at 18 years of age in a kind of a, a conscious way as an adult, uh, I fell in love. And as a consequence, my day changed and, and it happened with Emily too. So to be a disciple, to, to be a disciple is, um, is really the heart of my life right now. And my goal is to teach others to observe and, uh, 
and to um, you know to teach and to observe all that he has he has commanded. And then he says he says, behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. And I think that it's it takes a certain amount of courage and boldness to to tell people about Jesus Christ and challenge them and to invite them into discipleship. And I hear a lot of people say, well, man, I could never do that. I could, <laughs> I, I, that's my, not my gift. I'd be, I'd be afraid. And, and to that, I would say, why do you think he said more than anything else, do not be afraid? Because if you're gonna follow him, you're gonna have opportunities to be afraid. You're gonna have opportunities to, to be challenged and you get out of, out of your comfort zone. And the Lord did not call us to just remain as we are and just wait it out. Someday you'll die and you'll be in heaven. We have a work to do, work to do now as disciples who are chosen. We have a message. And at the heart of it, for me, Marcus, recently has been the charisma. It has been the basic proclamation of the gospel that we'll go out into the world and proclaim and make disciples. And that charisma is so powerful. You know, it's it, the church teaches us uh, uh, that number one, God loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. Uh, number two, sin has gotten in the way and broken the relationship and deeply wounded us. Number three, Jesus Christ came and he died for our sins. And number four, we must respond and radically reorient our lives to him. And five, be baptized, receive the spirit. Number six, join this wonderful church where we can receive all the grace and and the life that we need. And number seven, you go out and you make disciples. And, And as I think about this first, I'll tell you why it's so special to me right now, because it's much simpler than we make it. People will not go out and share Christ because in their heads, they have made Catholicism so complex that they could simply never, never possibly defend it or explain it all. And therefore, I'm not even going to talk about yeah. this publicly. But if you know him and you go out and you have the opportunity, it takes courage as a disciple of the Lord to say to someone, God loves you in the middle of a conversation and he's got an amazing plan for your life. But I got to be honest with you, sin has really, is really wounded us in a major way. A lot of times people say, I could just never do that. But my, my answer to that, Marcus, is then what message do we have? Yeah. We don't have another message. This is it. You know, uh, uh, this is it. And, and so this has become very precious to me to, on a daily basis, the minute, and I do this every day, by the way, before my feet hit the ground, getting out of bed in the morning, I say, Lord, I am your disciple. I'm here to walk with you today. And I've, I can't lose that in my thinking. It's got to be there all the time. Awesome. Jeff, let me throw a few things in because this verse has been one of my memory verses too. You know, obviously oh, this has been really, uh, as, far, as long as I can remember in my active adult walk with Christ, this verse has been there, you know, and it has because uh-huh. of our background, our evangelical background. But what this verse also reminds me of is that we can memorize a verse, but it may take many years for us to hear it clearly. Because, you know, when I used to use this verse to encourage evangelization, just like you're talking about, I would emphasize the word go, 
In other words, you got to get up off your whatever to go and get out there. And you got to, <laughs> right. that's the first thing is go and make disciples. All right, those are the things. But it took me a long time to appreciate the fact that he strongly emphasized baptism. Sure. That was not important to me for many, many years. But that's as important in there as going. Mm-hmm. Making disciples is the baptism. And then I might encourage teaching, but I didn't notice till many years later that he says that we are to observe all. Everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes people come up to me and ask, of, well, what do you think about this theological point or that theological point or this? you know, dimension of Catholicism or whatever. I'm like, I haven't given that a whole lot of thought to be uh, truthful. I'm I'm just so caught up in exactly what he's commanded us. This is what I need to get my attention to in my, <laughs> in my, in my life right now. And it wouldn't it be a challenge to make a list and to say, well, what has he commanded us? I mean, let's start at the very basics, loving one another, you know, he's commanded us to love one another. He's commanded husbands, you know, to love their wives through through the teachings of, of Paul. He's taught us what it means to be a friend and lay our lives down, to be, um, you know, to be uh, a close friend of his and to be obedient. There's just so much he has taught us and we are commanded to go out there and and teach that and observe and observe all of it. And that's, that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I immediately thought about a verse which I know you you are f- more than familiar with, and that's First Peter three, fifteen. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence, and keep your conscience clear. I mean, that's calling us to to be able to talk about why this faith is important to us, why it makes right. a difference, and and as you said. It's about talking about this person that's made this big difference in our life, Jesus Christ. We're not called to be scholars or academics if that's not our gift. It's just talking about this relationship we have with this loving creator. That's all that he means in Matthew 19, if you will. Matthew 28, 19 is that we need to just go and tell what he shared with us by grace. Well, let me give you an example. I think you're exactly right. If I think back, Marcus, to the number of people that I have quote unquote led to the Lord over the years and prayed with them and they came into the church. I honestly cannot remember many conversations that went deep into theology and Hebrew and Greek and councils and Jerome and Augustine and so forth, even though that's all part of a recipe that we draw from and it's and it's uh, it's, it's wonderful. But the, the encounters that I have had with people have been using the kerygma the basic proclamation, but here's the key. This is the key right here. Knowing that the, the New Testament tells us that the Holy Spirit confirms the message. Jesus confirms what? He doesn't just confirm our programs. He confirms the message. And the church tells us what that message is, which is God loves you and has a plan for your life and sin and, yeah. and repentance and so forth. So it was about five days ago, I went up to the hardware store and I got out of the car and I couldn't help but notice uh, across the parking lot was a lady uh, about our age. And um, she was having a very difficult time getting out of her car and she had a cane in her hand. Well, 
as I'm a disciple of the Lord, I represent Jesus Christ and I'm the body, a part of the body of Christ. So I went over to him immediately. And I said, excuse me, ma'am. And I'm trying to think, what would Jesus do? This is, this is evangelization. Go, go. And I said, could I help you? And she smiled and looked at me and she said, I could use an arm. And I put out my arm and she took a hold of it and I helped her up and started walking into the hardware store. And I asked her, I said, can you tell me about the cane? What, what is it that you're struggling with? And she said, it's MS. And I said, how long have you had that? And she said, well, I've had it for about 40 years now. Wow. And I said, oh, wow. I said, w- would you mind if I, if I prayed with you? I said, I'm a Christian. I follow the Lord and I would love to pray for you. And she goes, I would love that. Thank you so much. <laughs> and so I was able to get her name, pray with her. And she said, what do you do to me? And I said, well, I'm really, I'm a teacher. I teach scripture and I'm a follower of, of, of the Lord. And she looked at me and she said, she said, you are one of the kindest men I have ever <laughs> met in my life. And we went into the store I waited for her to get what she needed. I walked her back out to the car and she looked at me and said, today has meant a lot oh, to Lord. me. Now, now, I, now, Marcus, I didn't give her a scripture. I, I told her, I did tell her that God loves you. And I t- said her name and I said, he has an amazing plan for your life. I said, I'm gonna be praying for you. And it just made the biggest difference in, in her day. And I, I think we make this way too complicated. I really do. You know, I, if I was going to introduce you, Marcus, to my wife, Emily, I wouldn't say, Marcus, I, I want to introduce you to someone. But first of all, I want to explain the gender differences. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then to go into, there are male and female, and there is a, a certain hormonal difference between the two uh, individuals. And I want to talk a little bit about attraction and I wouldn't go into, I would just say, Marcus, this is my wife. This is my wife, Emily. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, you're, what you're saying there reminds me actually of a quote that I happened to copy and send to a friend of mine by email this morning. And this comes from the very end of Pope Benedict's second volume on Jesus of Nazareth. And he happens to be talking about you know end times and apocalyptics and how well, how do we understand what's going on in the world and all the stuff and is the second coming right around all the stuff and he says this he says the questioning about times and seasons is explicitly rejected speculation over history looking ahead into the unknown future these are not fitting attitudes for a disciple Christianity is the present. It is both gift and task, receiving the gifts of God's inner closeness and, as a consequence, bearing witness to Jesus Christ. That's what Pope Benedict was saying. It's right now, right now. Yeah. And recognizing what we've received and then telling others about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was talking to a group of men last night. It was very funny. And I said to him, I said, you realize that if Jesus Christ was sitting right here with us in the flesh, you know, right here with us, and we walked in we down the street and we met two other guys, uh, how many of you would introduce Jesus to him? And they're like, oh, man, that would be cool. I'd love to do that. And it's, but I say to him, said to him, but in the modern setting, the answer may be, well, it's not my gift. <laughs> It's not my 
gift. It, no, it's your privilege. It's your honor, yeah. you know, to, and, and, and if we do it in an enthusiastic way to share Christ with others, I think, honestly, Marcus, this is part of making disciples is that if we're going to make disciples of all the nations, we have to, we have to, first, first of all, we do talk about the beauty of, well, look what God has done in the universe, but then we bring them to the beauty of the work of Christ. And ultimately we do an ask, we ask them, would you be interested in going further in a relationship with the Lord? And and this is something that is is, is oddly foreign yeah. to a lot of people. And yet we have to ask ourselves, how do we really expect to grow in the church? You know, I've got 2,400 families in my church and three people came in uh, to, to uh, on the Easter vigil. Is this really our church growth program? You know, we're called to love. And when we say, well, I don't feel like it. No, <laughs> we, we love because it's an action verb. It's not right. based on feeling. We're called to forgive. I don't feel like it. Well, <laughs> no, we're to forgive. It's an action verb. Mm-hmm. We're called to share. I don't feel like it. No, it's an action verb. We do yeah. it. Yeah. All right, my friend. We got these two verses. Yeah, that's good. We throw these verses together, my friend. What do we do? Well, you've been doing it ever since you shared yours. You know, my, <laughs> you <do it. laughs> my scripture about the evidence of God around us and appreciating that and being grateful, and your verse about sharing all that we've received. And, and let me, I'm going to share one thought. And I'll bring it to you. What comes to my mind is imagine sitting around a, a campfire out in the middle of nowhere beautiful those sparks going up and you're with your friends I'm, you're, you're gathered around a campfire and there you are and you're looking up and you're seeing the the beauty of the stars and, and maybe a, 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 a maybe even a satellite goes by or an asteroid goes by or you hear a wolf out in the background or, or you hear the night owl and you're seeing all that and you're talking about the beauty of that and then you use that as a springboard to say after you've helped them see that you say guys can I talk to you about the most important person in my life? Yeah. Boy, that was hard, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Can, and I'll move on to my favorite music. <laughs> but I mean, that's how those fit together, right? Is you, you, That God it's, gives us his image, and then we build on that to share the beauty of his revelation. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's that easy. It is that easy, but people are afraid that, well, they're going to ask me a question about the church scandal. They're going to ask me a question about female priests. They're going to ask me a question about why we pray to the dead. They're going to ask me a question about why Rome has so much art. You know, I don't want to get into the conversation. And every time somebody asks questions of me and they're very angry, uh, I listen to them. And then, but I don't lose sight of the introduction and the the beautiful message that we have. And I find that that cuts through because the truth of the matter is, if I answer all of those questions that they have, it's it's not what their heart needed. Yeah. It's not what their heart yeah. needed. What their heart needed was, you are loved, my friend. You are loved. You know, I remember one time, Marcus, I was at a men's conference and I was speaking and I, I, and I, I spoke the kerygma and I looked at a guy in the front row. He had a beautiful pinstripe suit on everything. I looked at him and I pointed at him. I said, God loves you and God has an amazing plan for your life. He really does. He loves you. And I looked at someone else and I said, but you know that sin has interrupted this plan. Well, I, I talked for a while and after the conference, I went behind the stage 
And this guy came back there seeking me. And he said, Mr. Cavins, can I, can I talk to you for a moment? I said, sure. And he said, um, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. Uh, when you were talking, you looked at me and you said, uh, God loves me and has an amazing plan for my life. And they got choked up and he said, I've never heard that before. And he, he said, when you said that to me, something just like exploded in my heart. And that was the Holy Spirit confirming the message. Uh, the Holy Spirit does the hard part here. I don't have to do that. He's, it was the Holy Spirit confirming the message. He said, he said some, it felt like an explosion went off in my heart. And then the next words out of his mouth, mouth, Marcus, were something you would hear right out of scripture. He said, what do I have to do now? <laughs> This is what I think it means to be a disciple, to go out and to to share. So, um, and, and I think that our verses really match up yeah. beautifully you know, in was, a wonderful way. I think one other last thing I think about, you, you reaching out to that man, you looking at him and telling him God's love for him. Mm -hmm. Because when you looked at that man, you recognized that God's invisible nature, his eternal power and deity is clearly perceived in him. Mm -hmm. In him. Yep. We need yep. to see that in the people. And, mm -hmm. and then yeah. there's someone for whom Christ died. And that's why we share yeah. what we've been given. I heard someone say recently, it was kind of beautiful. They had like a $100 bill and it was nice and crisp. And they said, how many of you want the $100 bill? And everyone's, ah, I want the $100 bill. You know, people start moving up towards the stage. He goes, no, 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 Then he crumpled up the dollar bill. And he said, how many of you want the dollar bill, $100 bill now? Everyone said, I, I still want the $100 bill. And he said, why? And he, and he said, it's still a $100 bill. And he took it and he stomped on it in the dirt, you know, in the, in the grime and everything. <laughs> he said, how many of you want the $100 bill now? And they said, we want it. And he said, he said, but now that it's dirty and all wrinkly, doesn't it have less value? And they said, uh-uh, give it to me. And I think that's true when we look at people too, is that yeah. it's not just the beautiful and the fast and the rich and so forth, but it's the broken and those who are, are abandoned and the disenfranchised have infinite value. And, and like you said, we see that, we see this divine nature. We see this beautiful thing, you know, in every single person that we encounter. You know, I was thinking uh, when we look around at the world around us and we recognize the fingerprints of God, we also know firsthand, remember that when he created this and looked at it, what did he say? This is good. It's good. Yeah. This is very good. But we also remember what Paul says and later in Romans when he says, I consider that sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the Son of Man, for the creation was subject to futility, not of its own will, but the will of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself will be set free. It's like that $100 bill been all crumpled and stemmed on and everything. That's the creation, which we've done to it. Sure. But it's still God's creation. It is. We still need, it is. To, we need to recognize. Jeff, this has been awesome. Thank you, my friends. This has been fun. It's been good. Hey, as yeah. we close, maybe some thoughts. Why don't you tell the audience if about a little bit more about if they want to contact you or find out more about what you're doing? 
Uh, sure, you can go to uh, jeffcavens.com, and I typically have all the things we're doing there, like you know, trips to Israel, speaking schedule, and those those types of, of things. All the Bible studies are available pretty much at ascensionpress.com. And oh, let me show you. Oh, I think I showed you that uh, when I, you and I got together a while ago. Uh, the Great Adventure Bible is doing very oh, well. Yeah, uh, two, yeah, yeah. Two weeks ago, Amazon alerted us that it was the number one selling Bible in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and they and we asked if that was Catholic, and they said no, that's Protestant too. Wow, that's awesome. So you know, you know what that tells me, Marcus? Catholics want to be deep into the Word. Yeah, praise God. Very, very good. <laughs> so yeah, things are good. Maybe we've made a little bit of a dent. I hope. You know, but if we have, <laughs> it's been God. You know, it's been His. I, I told I told the story just the other day of me calling you back then. You know, and I wasn't in the church. I wasn't in the church when I called you. And you remember. You said, you need to talk to Bishop Paul Dudley, who is my childhood pastor, and he's the one that led me back into the church. But you and I started our relationship even even before I stepped back into the yeah. church. That's a long time ago. Yeah, well, praise God, my friend. Big, big, big brother. <laughs> right. Yep. Not just, in, not just in age, but in weight. But... Uh, <laughs> All right, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on Deep in Scripture. And all of you listening, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Please check out chnetwork.org, if you will, to check out all the other things that we do in Coming Home Network. And I look forward to being with you again next week. God bless. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.